Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. My son has reached the stage of life where he has developed an awareness for the absence of the people and things whom he loves. As soon as I pick him up from daycare, he begins his refrain of dada, dada, which lasts until we walk into our house and he is able to locate his dada. Of great entertainment to his parents is his seemingly abrupt disruption of play when he realizes that Elmo is no longer by his side. He begins a cry summoning Elmo, which always makes us laugh to imagine Elmo bounding down the stairs. Elmo? Elmo! Where'd he go? <laughs> Perhaps most dear is his ritual of bidding goodnight to each of his stuffed animals and many of his books before the lights are turned out every night. Bye-bye, bear. Bye-bye, sheep. Bye-bye, Grandma Sue, to the picture. He knows that for a time he will not see the things he loves. I'm in awe of the way his young mind has created rituals for the universal human experience of searching for and appreciating the things and people whom he desires to keep close. These habits we develop at a very young age are perhaps indicative of the degree to which this longing to be with the objects of our heart's desire is a part of the shared human experience. Now, well before a toddler develops an affection for his favorite stuffed animal, there are biological ways in which we demonstrate our need to belong, to feel comfort, to simply be in the arms of the one who loves us most. Before we even have an awareness of it, we're all looking for the safety of a home where we can abide for all our days. We're looking for the companionship of the one who will remain by our side no matter what happens. We spend much of our way pushing much of our life pushing away the deep and paralyzing fear of being alone, both in this life and for eternity. And We know and have likely experienced the devastating and lasting impact caused by the loss of these connections. I wonder whether you've ever experienced grief that comes with the loss of respect or allegiance to a leader who has proven untrustworthy. If not personally painful, there is an element of disorientation that accompanies this loss. When I served as a missioner to a college campus, a huge part of my job was fundraising to support the cost of the ministry. I sought out partnerships with many local Episcopal parishes and leaders whom I imagined had a firm theological foundation when it came to stewardship. Among those was a senior cleric at the wealthiest parish in Austin. I eagerly began our conversation with a thoughtful and well-diagrammed proposal, asking for introductions to Episcopalians who also had an allegiance as Texas Longhorns. Unsolicited, he provided feedback on the flaws of my proposal and what he would do to strengthen my approach to become a more sustainable development plan. He indicated that I should make the appropriate, should I make the appropriate changes, he would be happy to facilitate the requested introductions. I spent the rest of the summer attending to what I had created and requested another meeting, eager to meet potential donors before the students arrived back on campus. 
When we eventually regathered, he seemed confused as to why I had returned. I highlighted for him the changes that he had recommended and asked to meet with his Episcopal Longhorns. At that point, he said he'd think about it, but the timing wasn't good because he was getting ready to launch a capital campaign. I was stunned for several reasons, but mostly because our previous collaborative conversation had led me to believe that he was going to be not only a partner, but an advocate in sharing about the importance of the ministry for the students and the future of the church. I later realized how preoccupied he was with his own concerns and fears, making it nearly impossible to respond generously to the one who was in front of him seeking companionship and wisdom. At the end of the day, I had to rethink who would accompany me on the journey ahead. Loss of trust in a leader can be tremendously disappointing. And it pales in comparison to the loss we may experience in the context of a more intimate relationship. I wonder if you've ever experienced the grief that comes with the dissolution of a meaningful relationship. I'm thinking about a young woman I knew, Lily, who grew up with low-grade anxiety. For the most part, she was able to keep it under control in her daily life. Her best friend noticed that after the birth of her second child in the midst of the pandemic, things only seemed to get worse. Finding time to get together, even, out the, even without the burden of a meal or other additions, became too taxing. Every aspect of daily life was suddenly a great cause for distress. Lily's friend did her best not to take it personally and actively practiced expressing compassion for the challenges she knew Lily faced. She resolved to call her more regularly and simply listen. And when Lily stopped answering the phone, she started texting. But eventually, those two went unanswered. Lily's best friend had so many questions, but mostly a deep, deep sadness for the loss of her lifelong friendship. She never realized how much space Lily occupied in her daily life. In addition to missing Lily, she missed the reliability of companionship. The loss of an intimate relationship, whether with a significant other, a friend, a companion, can leave a hole in one's life that is impossible to fill. But if we dig deeper still, there is a pain that is incomparable to all others, and that is for one who has experienced the loss of a child. My dear friend went in for her weekly appointment during the 39th week of her pregnancy, only to find that her, heart, her daughter did not have a heartbeat. The one whom she had waited for so long had not lived long enough to meet her. The cruelty of it was almost unbearable, unbearable as it is any time a parent experiences this type of loss. Whether a complication during pregnancy or childbirth, a tragic overdose, an accident, or a horrific death from gun violence, any time a parent loses a child, it seems conceivable that the heartache just might be the reason that they, too, can no longer live. We have a word for one who loses a spouse, and it seems perhaps we should have the same for one who loses a child. But I choose to think that we dare not try to name the pain that is too big for words. Of all the losses we endure, the potential for this one is known most intimately by God. And it matters. 
It matters that God knows of this loss firsthand through the death of Jesus. God knows the pain of this loss in a way that few others can. God is able to endure the depths of this type of grief because the grief of parents is known to God too. God does not leave our side even in the depths of our nightmares. Jesus knew the pain associated with the loss of an intimate relationship. There was the death of his dear friend Lazarus, followed by, soon after by the public denial from Peter and betrayal from Judas, two of his closest companions. Jesus also knew the grief of losing faith in those whom he once trusted. As a young boy, Jesus spent a tremendous amount of time in the temple and learning from the leaders of his faith tradition. And it was those very same leaders, those very same leaders who turned him over when their fears grew too great to manage. Jesus was no stranger to any and every particular kind of loss of connection and sense of belonging. Despite the loneliness, despite the holiness of God's son, the messiness of human connections was very much a part of his lived experience. And thank God it was. Jesus goes before us and knows intimately the deep and paralyzing fear of being alone. And to this, Jesus says, I will not leave you orphaned. Or in other words, God will provide companionship of the one who will remain by your side no matter what happens. An advocate. This extraordinary promise comes to us in the Gospel of John this morning in what is known as Jesus' farewell discourse that is part of a long goodbye narrative that Jesus has with the disciples before he is crucified. In it, Jesus spoke to the heart of our, one of our most basic fears, that we might be alone, both in this life and for eternity, especially if Jesus is no longer around to lead us. The way in which Jesus communicates this and the way in which God delivers this companionship is really, really stunning. And I hope not something we've trained ourselves to be underwhelmed by. Jesus acknowledged that we're not always going to be satisfied by this version of God that we cannot touch and we cannot see. And yet we are gifted with the presence of God that is not bound to a particular pace, place, that is not bound to a particular place body that is not bound to a particular circumstance. It's not the promise of companionship for when we are in crisis or most needing the gift of companionship, but always and forever and maybe even when we don't really want it. John's words get a bit convoluted because that's John, but I also can't imagine a straightforward way to explain such a miraculous gift. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, will be in us and among us forever. I will not leave you orphaned, Jesus said to the disciples. But really, God says to each and every one of us, you belong to me now and always. You always have. But let's make sure that you cannot forget that I am always with you. One of the things Jesus asks of us this morning is a bit of deep soul searching. When we survey the objects of our heart's desire, 
Do we find God there among them? If we are all not much more than oversized toddlers beckoning to our most beloved, would God's name be among the first to roll off our tongues? Jesus makes it plain the lengths God will go to so that we might have a companion both through our earthly trials and for all of eternity. The advocate we receive in the Holy Spirit completes the mystery of companionship that God promises. God is the only and enduring answer to our desire to never again be alone. So if God is not a worthy object of our heart's desire, or if we are unsure, I wonder who might ever possibly be enough for us. Amen.